everybody, this is Nathan here with Jake, and you're about to listen to what we call Sound of Sanity 1.0. Now, Jake, what do we mean when we say Sanity 1.0? Well, Sound of Sanity was a show we'd been wanting to do for a really long time, and we'd never really seen our way clear to getting it off the ground. Right, so one day we decided the best way to get it off the ground was just to sit down, hit record, three friends talking into microphones. Since that time, the show has changed and grown a whole lot. The modern version of Sound of Sanity really began to develop around episode 34 on Jordan B. Peterson. Yeah, there's some stuff we're really proud of in this early iteration of this show and some stuff we're possibly, probably, maybe not so proud of. But there's some good stuff and we wanted to leave these up. Plus, we thought it'd be fun for people who know the current show to go back and see how far the show's come. Yeah, fun and maybe sometimes a little humbling. No doubt. Anyway, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the current version of the show. That's right. And meanwhile, please enjoy this episode from the archives. You are now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's, it's Superman. Superman. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, oh, boy. Uh, okay, that was the A-Team theme. <laughs> theme that I frequently mix up with <laughs> the Superman theme. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change Change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, <laughs> fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. That's right, we're talking about Superman today! Yay! It's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be a fun episode. We haven't talked about superheroes since our inaugural episode when we talked about the great Wonder Woman. She's running around in her underwear. She's fighting those Nazis. We love Wonder Woman, but second only to Wonder Woman is the great Man of Steel himself. The guy that works for that great metropolitan newspaper. He's Superman, isn't he? I guess he is. Oh, Clark Kent, I guess. Mild-mannered. What does it say in this copy that some announcer must have felt like an idiot reading for the old uh, Joel Flesher cartoons? It says, Mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. That made me chuckle. I'm sorry. I'm bringing 21st century postmodern irony to Superman. Well, and maybe that's maybe that's indicative of what we're going to be talking about today, guys. I don't know. But first, I should probably introduce you to the sound of sanity. The wonderful show produced by Warhorn Media that we're doing right now. A show featuring me, your humble and obedient host. Faster on my feet than a speeding bullet. More powerful in my rhetoric than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings of, um... Logic. Of logic. <laughs> in a single bound. <laughs> yeah, it's possible I may have done that before. And we also have a strange visitor. Uh, if we had a guest, I could say that. But he's just a regular visitor from this podcast who comes to this... I don't know. I don't know how to make the copy work for you, Jake. The Superman copy. But we all know... You're the superhero of this podcast. <laughs> you seem like a mild-mannered... Uh, Midwesterner. Yeah, a mild-mannered podcaster for a great metropolitan media company. And yet, Jake Menzel, as we know, he's the pastor. He's the CEO of uh, Warhorn Media. He fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that last part. <laughs> and uh, yeah, also we've got uh, the Jimmy Olsen of our saga. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> He's Ben Solzer. And he, well, what does he do? He turns the knobs on the board. Engineers that sound. He yeah. engineers that sound. He looks things up on the internet. He looks things up on the internet. He's an all-purpose. His bright, eager little eyes just flicking over that screen. His bright, eager little eyes do indeed <laughs> flicking over that screen. <laughs> <laughs> he is our beloved personal assistant. That's, no, PA. 
Abort. What am I saying? Production. Production assistant. Production assistant. Yes, that's right. That's right. He's our beloved production assistant, Benjamin Solzer. I always find myself in adventures bigger than I counted on when I come with you guys. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but then who's there to save you, Ben? Why, it's... It's... Jake Mensel. Jake Mensel. A, a man who's fighting a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. Now, for you, those of you at home, for those of you playing at home, every time we say that, Jake pretends like he's ripping off his shirt. <laughs> like the old, uh, what is it, football players like to Cam do that Newton, thing? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so welcome to our episode today. We're going to talk about Superman, superheroes. Maybe we'll work in some themes of father hunger and of biblical kind of stuff. I don't know. Seems like it's that kind of a show. I can't predict what's going to happen what am i the host but we're gonna we're gonna talk about superman first now we always like to talk about the topical stuff right guys we like to be <laughs> topical right. on yeah, this yeah, show very... even though we record it several weeks in advance of when it airs so i wanted to give a shout out to the the emmys just happened as you guys well know just we're last night we're, yeah. we're all tv watchers emmy watchers <laughs> completely unaware of that the emmys happened and we just want to offer a sincere sound of sanity Congratulations. Congratulations to, to, the, to the Handmaiden's Tale. <laughs> Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss. You go, girl. Yay. Wow. You go, girl. I'm not clapping. I'm not going to clap. I'm not clapping for <laughs> no. Elizabeth Moss. Well, Ben, the thing that you need to understand about the Handmaiden's Tale, and we, me and Jake have talked about this before on various podcasts. I think we talked about it on the booking. The Handmaiden's Tale is our favorite book. Because it expresses the kind of Christian patriarchy that we're working There's for. no book that better encapsulates the, the Christian utopia we're working for than The Handmaid's Tale. We, yeah. we want women to be subservient, baby-making machines. We've, we're, we've, we're on record saying that 100%. This is why my children call me Commander Daddy, This by is the why. Way. Okay. Yeah, if people right. wonder why we sometimes refer to Jake as Commander Daddy, that's what his children call him. His wife calls him <laughs> Commander Husband. That's right. Um, because... You know. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, The Handmaiden's Tale, obviously, our favorite work of literature, one that expresses the world that we're trying to build, the world that we got away from somehow. How did that happen, Nathan? I don't know. I don't know. Some people came along and they thought that, you know, women should be allowed to speak and have opinions. And have stuff. names have besides names. of Jake. <laughs> of Jake, right. <laughs> you know, Jake's lovely wife of Jake. Of Jake, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> She seems like a nice lady. She stands there quietly, yeah, wondering when she'll be called upon to make food and or a baby. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the world that we live in in our little in our little alcove of uh, Christianity here in the Midwest. That's the world we've created for ourselves, and that's the world that we want to share. The sweet aroma of patriarchy. Got it. The the brave people involved in putting on such a prophetic. Right, it's not, not popular, obviously. It's clearly, are, yeah, know, it's not. The, the whole liberal sort of lamestream, you know, they're, they, they're not the It was of, a real risk, I think, um, taking on, espousing our, our ideals, putting it out there for, uh, for everybody. And I, I commend them for their courage and for their bravery. Courage and bravery would be the key words there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, well, welcome to the show. Our, our sincere thanks and congratulations go out to the Handmaiden's Tale. Ben, you want to say just a... Uh, uh, it is Handmaid's. Sorry. I oh, just the, figured it out. Yep. The Handmaid's Tale. 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 I thought it was Handmaid, but... We are grateful. We are, our, our hats are off to you, sir and or ma'am, whoever made that show, to Margaret Atwood that created that show. Uh, we, our... our, our we would doff. We would, we will doff our hats. Something that you will appreciate because you appreciate rigid gender roles. I think in which you you are looking to create a world where men doff their hats, where women keep them on. Yeah, where women keep them on at certain times because one needs a head. Their head, one's head to be covered, so one's hair won't fall into the delicious muffins that one is baking for one's man. <laughs> Agree or disagree, Ben? <laughs> Agree. Nathan. Agree. You heard it here, ladies. <laughs> this is the kind of man. He's single. I have it on good authority. He enjoys long walks on the beach. By myself. <laughs> By himself. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, Not in the market for an of bin? <laughs> well, maybe so. But, you know, I'd probably keep those walks on the beach to myself anyway. Well, yeah, no, you know, is the beach the kitchen? Is there a, is there a beach in the kitchen? <laughs> that's, see, that's exactly the point. Right. <laughs> now, of course, if you want to be the next of Ben, or the first of Ben, because there really hasn't been enough Ben, 
Um, there have been perspective of Ben's and, you know, people putting their feelers out for if they want to be of Ben, but no one's made the plunge into being an of Ben. And um, Ben is always looking for an appendage to his greatness and his masculine <laughs> awesomeness. So send your letters true. to Warhorn Media. The address will appear at the bottom of the screen. Um, <laughs> Along with a batch of, <laughs> a batch of muffins. <laughs> Along with a batch of muffins. <laughs> right. You need a taste test. Part of the application process. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, so what's the thing that made us feel insane today? Well, this is going to be kind of a fun pop culture episode. We're allowed to do those. In fact, we like doing those. We did our very first episode was one of those. We were recently having a discussion with a friend of ours on uh, the Twitter about... I don't remember how it started. Well, how did it start? That's, and by uh, we, I mean me and Jake. That's a good question. It may have started with a recent booking episode on Maya Antonia. Yes, it did. <laughs> but somehow, like many of conversations that we have, it uh, turned into a conversation about superheroes and stuff like that. How did that happen? I have no idea. I guess we could look if it's a, if, if we think it'll yield any value. Why did it do that? It's probably worth looking. Yeah, let's look. <laughs> look it up. <laughs> so uh, apparently, okay. apparently in part two of My Antonia, we talked about uh, Spider-Man, or we mentioned Spider-Man Homecoming in an aside. I, yes, I have zero memory of that. Yeah, and we talked about whether or not it was the best or one of the best Marvel movies for just a, a moment. Which, spoiler alert, it is. Yeah, it's right up there, if not the best. Our friend Nathan on Twitter said, My Antonio Part 2 was really excellent, and then also as an aside, parenthetically, Iron Man and Spider-Man 2 are the best Marvel movies. And so that got into a discussion of... What, the best Marvel movies? Marvel movies. And then he said something like, I'm actually more of a of a DC guy than a Marvel guy. And that got us talking about what Snyder is doing to the DC universe and how abominable it is. Um. <laughs> <laughs> he very tactfully refrained from mentioning Wonder Woman. True story. Until I said, ah! Wonder Woman. <laughs> but we were basically just talking about the Batman and the Superman. And so Jake says about Superman, about because so this guy, Nathan, he comes, uh, I like the, like many a fan of superhero things. He's, I'm more of a DC guy. Well, everybody's more of a DC guy, really, aren't we? I mean, don't we all like Batman and Superman the best? Yeah, when it comes to like, not just as far the as the straight movies, up characters. Just as, far, as far as the icons, as far as the iconography, yeah. as far as just what's cool, what you liked as a kid. Maybe this current gen, like maybe your kids, Jake, they yeah. probably Iron Man and Cap well, are their guys. Well, that's what Snyder's and the, those guys are ended up doing is they're killing the coolness of Batman and Superman. And Marvel is huh. establishing. And Marvel's, yeah, establishing the awesomeness of what were tertiary characters in their universe. Like Iron Man is one of the coolest things going and who ever knew who Iron Man was growing up. I sure did. I did. I did. I knew Spider-Man and the X-Men and they were the ones that I liked to read and I never looked at Superman, maybe Batman. I read a lot of Batman growing up. I read whatever the run of Batman was. I stopped around the time uh, there was something called Cataclysm, which was an earthquake in Gotham that leveled the city. And I don't know, it just went in a weird direction. I wasn't a fan. And I was also, you know, uh, interested in other things besides superheroes and stuff. And, you know. What? But You were? Yeah. Okay. You know, pretty girls in high school and, uh, you know. Hot rods and going right. to the prom and right. you know all that stuff. <laughs> didn't actually have a prom. Went to a Christian school. We had a karaoke night though. That was fun. I sang the Gilligan's Island theme. Anyway, you were saying, or were you saying? I don't know that I was. You looked I like mean, a man who was about to say. No, I mean we could try to rehearse the conversation, but it's actually really hard to follow. Yeah, kind of like Twitter's Twitter not really great about keeps keeping branching. Those, yeah, yeah, the branches are really hard to follow. But inevitably, what happened is I said. Zack Snyder uh, doesn't understand Superman, and he tried to give us Batman instead, and that was a really dumb thing to do. And I went so far as to say at least Brian Singer tried to give us Superman. You did go so far as to say that. Now, maybe we should take a step back. Maybe there's people... Obviously, we all know Wonder Woman. She runs around in her underwear. She fights the Nazis. Those are the key components of Wonder Woman as far as I'm concerned. And funnily enough, or interestingly enough, or whateverly enough, we did get someone who said, why is Nathan so obsessed with Wonder Woman running around in her underwear fighting Nazis? Well, to you, 
sir or madam, I would say, I think the world is obsessed with Wonder Woman running around in her underwear fighting Nazis. And I'm just the guy that says it. I'm just the guy that says what we're all thinking. That's what I think I am. Maybe I'm a defender of truth and justice in the America one way. In a, in a I metaphor. think the American way is <laughs> Wonder Woman running around in her underwear. Okay, so maybe I'm an attacker of truth and justice in the American way. But uh, be that as it may. Okay, every, obviously everybody knows Wonder Woman. Obviously everyone knows Superman. Everyone knows Batman. There's probably not anyone that just crawled out of a cave. They somehow know what podcasts are. They're listening to this. They don't know what Batman is, what Superman is. But they might, I mean, they might not know who Snyder is. And they might. You just use some terms that we might want to explain. Yeah. Snyder, singer. Yeah. What are we talking about here? So if, if people just haven't been keeping up with their superhero movies, there's been a recent string of superhero movies. True or false? True. And they have been done by a gentleman uh, named Zack Snyder. Yeah, Zack Snyder is at the helm of the DC movies, which is distinct from the Marvel movies. So DC is Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman and the Joker and the Suicide Squad was one of the of the DC movies that came out. The Suicide Squad is a bunch of tertiary characters nobody had ever heard of. What right. the real the real what DC's always had is Superman, Batman, Batman Superman. And Wonder Woman, sure, whatever. Yeah. But you got you that. Now Zack Snyder, he's a gentleman, he makes movies. Ben, if you had to sum up Zack Snyder in one word, what would that word be? Ugh. Well, <laughs> let's see. Maybe I can get something it's more, more of descriptive. An ejaculation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would be it would be I don't know, something like gloss. That's that's bad. Glossy. Gloss. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ben's word is glossy. Yeah. Jake, your word. Sounds good. Um, we'll come back and give you a second chance because yeah, that yeah. wasn't good. that was terrible. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yes. My word is gritty, but gritty in the I'm the, I'm the guy that made gritty a thing. And it's kind of like it's not. It's like can, if we could do a lame compound word, it'd be like faux gritty or yeah, something. Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah. I'm gonna be all gritty, but you really don't even know what grit is. I wanna know what grit is. Uh, ben, you want a second chance? I don't have anything. I have like shiny. I mean, shiny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The point would be like he's he's just. Yeah. Now you're getting more words. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, it's funny because you're saying glossy, shiny. Jake's saying gritty, and, and I under, and, and saying, I understand, but it's it's all in this like. He's gritty in a like a hyper stylized. Can we call it like hyper, yeah, hyper gloss stylized. <laughs> right. <laughs> gloss yeah. The word that I was thinking of was bro. Bro. Zack Snyder feels to me like a frat boy. And his values seem like the values of a frat boy. And his Superman and his Batman feel gritty and glossy in the way that a frat boy would want Superman and Batman to be either of those things. He doesn't seem to have much of an understanding of truth, justice, or the American way. He's really good at blowing stuff up. I mean, he's actually genuinely, like, the the superhero fights in those movies are pretty awesome. Cooler than anything. Batfleck in that building... Oh yeah, a pretty awesome fight. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. Yeah, no, and um, and the Superman fight in Man of Steel where he fights um, Zod. And- Zod. I remember being pretty impressed by that in the theater. Just like, oh, this is what a superhero movie would actually do. And what they do is they make it into this like buildings are being leveled, the city is destroyed. You end up you end up with the problem, which is why didn't Superman go fight him on the moon so that thousands of innocent lives would be saved, which everybody objected to. And then they tried to lean into it in the next movie, which, and they did it in a terrible way, which anybody that's seen the movies and follows this kind of stuff already knows. But the, he really did show how awesome and destructive it would be to have these two godlike titans fighting each other. And it was kind of cool. Yeah. Much cooler than. Yeah. And Ben doesn't think it was cool. I was bored by that point because the fight would, didn't matter at all in the the way the movie, the storytelling was done. By that time, the consequential stuff had been decided, and now so I just wanted to fight, and so now they fireworks. fought. It was yeah, it was just fireworks, and it was it was cool in a sense, but it was also boring. I I like the summary of one my favorite movie critic who said Zack Snyder is the uh, he knows every note, but he can't hear the music. Like he has a certain kind of technical mastery of things. It's like, I'm going to put these elements there. And you're like, yeah, you'd want to put all those elements there. And then you, you watch his movie and you're like, you don't know what you're doing at all. You don't understand what those elements are for or how to use them. So I would agree with that. But he also just, he doesn't really get Superman, right? Like, what's wrong with Superman? Yeah, in so movies? the reason I brought up Brian Singer is because... Brian Singer is another director he's who another did a director, Superman yeah, movie he, called Superman Returns. Returns. Which I like. And it's something that's very, very difficult with Superman because you have... This character who is essentially, I mean, like the whole shtick of Superman is that he... Truth, justice, and the American way. He doesn't have original sin. His motive, like he's a, he's supposed to be a very pure, straight 
perfect kind of dude who just always does what's right Mm -hmm. and not a lot of internal conflict with Superman. If there's conflict, it's the conflict of what happens when a perfect Superman comes to an imperfect, broken world and what choices does he make as far as who's he going to save, when's he going to save them? It's the conflict of I can't save everybody. Right. And the the conflict of deciding between individuals and and I really really want to save population. Lois Lane and right. she really really gets herself into a lot of scrapes. But meanwhile, I could be feeding thousands of people in Africa or something. Right. Um, that's outside. But of That's Superman. a largely external conflict of circumstance, not a conflict of like you know what's cool about Batman or you know is he's got he's trying to do the right thing, but he's got you know dark brooding vengeance oriented stuff going on. Or what's cool about Spider Man is he's like completely guilt ridden and then just an angsty teenager and, and, and he's he's a he's a teenager who's having like relationship drama and feels like he's just a kid but has all these powers and has already seen the consequences of not using them for good with the death of his uncle and so he's just overcome by guilt that makes for a complex superhero superman doesn't have any of that baggage and that's that's really hard to do on screen in a way i guess it's not cheesy and so like the old uh, Christopher Reeve's Superman. Movies. Everybody remembers them fondly, but nobody's seen them since they were a kid. And yeah. we all just remember Superman would smile and he would, you know, I remember the one that the thing that I just thought was the, the coolest thing in those movies was I think everyone's probably got their favorite moment. There's two, actually. He saves a little girl's kitten from a tree. That's yeah. the kind of Superman we're dealing with. And she's just like, thanks, Superman. And it's, it's adorable. Then his coolest super thing that he does that I always really loved was there's a train track going over a gorge oh, yeah. and the track has been knocked out. And so Superman flies, basically makes himself part of the track. He's, the just, rail, he's, yeah. he's holding onto the edges of the rail so the train can just go over him. That's the kind of Superman we're dealing with. It's not always about just like defeating the crap out of villains. It's about... A Superman that buzzes around and just is trying to help as many people as he can. and Right. Save people from fires. What are just doing Superman stuff? Yeah. And so they leaned into the cheesiness and the camp, I guess, of it back in the Christopher Reeve. Yeah. Those thing. movies, you don't realize it when you're a kid, but they're pretty, I don't know if they're sophisticated, but they have kind of an ironic wink to them. They, yeah. they know it's cheesy and they're they're playing it. And Christopher Reeve was a good comedian. He knew how to, and, and whoever, whatever the lady's name is, Ben probably knows, the, what's the name of the Margo lady? Margot Kidder. Margot Kidder. She's good at Lois, Le- you know, she plays her as a real brassy kind of uh, 1940s kind of, bra- you know, they're, they're just, they know that's the iconography. They know it's really silly. They know it's for kids. And, and they're they lean playing right it, on into it. And they're playing it really straight. If you're an adult, you can get some sort of. It's Gene Hackman is, is Lex Luthor, for goodness sake. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and he's not really even bother, bothering playing it straight. He's just collecting a big paycheck. <laughs> He's being a giant ham. Yeah, <laughs> having some fun. And so then Brian Singer, when he did Superman Returns in, I don't know, when it would have been about 2005 or 2006, maybe, mm-hmm. he did an homage to that Christopher Reeve Superman, but really just to Superman. Here he is, but the trick, the story that he was trying to tell is Superman went away for a long time and he came back to a world that was cynical, uh, more cynical than it had ever been until Lois Lane that was cynical. She wrote an article called, Does the World Need Superman? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, this was a terrible movie. It was, it, it, was, was... A dumb, it was a dumb movie. But he was trying to deal with the question of, do we need this sort of like pure, unsullied? Do we need a, super, a Superman? Do we need this guy? What good? Why should we care? Right. And so he shows up on the scene and he's, you know, Clark Kent, good old boy again. And and nobody, nobody cares. I remember that movie had a nice moment, very Christopher Reevesian moment where he saves a plane from going down. And then as the passengers are leaving, he puts his hands on his hips and says, now remember, air travel is still the safest yeah, form of travel. <laughs> it's a very, I really loved that line. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was yeah. a perfect little tip of the hat to that Christopher Reeve yeah. kind of Clark Kent Superman. But where the first movie's handled it by the Christopher Reeve movies handled it by basically playing it straight with a little bit of an ironic wink that movie really tried to deal with the angsty question of is Superman relevant does can we believe in this guy and they basically said yes but it's a weird movie they said yes but only after he sacrificed himself to save the planet or something like that yeah I don't remember how they make it work but Kevin Spacey plays Lex Luthor and he plays, he gives a really good, but I think maybe wrong for the material perform. It's just really a really bitter, mean. The movie has it's this feeling of mean. bitterness about it. Like yeah. Lois Lane's bitter. And, and the movie's 
trying to do that. I'm not quite sure that it's successful. In fact, I think it's not successful, but it's it's trying to at least ask some questions. And I think it kind of asks them in a weird way. What, but it, I mean, it's not a success as a movie, but what I guess I think Singer gets is that Superman is a stand-in for dad. Right. So then you have Snyder. And he comes along and d- does the new Superman movies that are coming out now. Yeah. And what he does is to just abandon the idea, basically, that Superman is... A good old boy. A good old boy. Just wants to do what's right. And he does what instead? He makes him this internally conflicted, angst-ridden, brooding guy with his own daddy issues. And, and so there's this like inner turmoil to Superman that Superman's never, ever had. And Snyder's also very bad about not just not understanding our desire or need to see Superman do anything all that super. Like yeah. you, you don't ever see Superman save a train or save a plane or get people out of There's a burning nothing building. Nothing to establish that he is like it, nothing to establish any kind of altruism or any kind of. Well, he like, does save that yeah. uh, that oil rig and stuff. I was about to say the there's probably some it. nerd <clears throat> listening, and it turned out to be and, you. And yeah, and, <laughs> he, and, he, and he saves a kid from a bus at the in the beginning of the movie. One of the flashback scenes when, yeah. he, when he's growing up. It's true. He, he does some stuff there's like some that, stuff. Yeah. especially in Dawn of justice batman versus superman you really don't get a lot of but you get allusions to it like everybody's talking about superman as if he's this guy that does all this stuff but we're never really made to feel it we never have that moment of of joy hit home especially once he's because all the stuff you're talking about in the first man of steel is stuff that kind of happens when he's on the road trying to figure himself out by the time he's superman he's it's not because he he feels like he he wants to go help people it's because he just happens to be in a place and something bad goes wrong and and so he does he does a thing sort of like but he's even conflicted about that because he's got kevin costner telling him not to do that sort of thing right huh. and then you've got the scene which it's i thought like violating his and you've got the scene uh which i thought was wrong for superman where and you know christopher reeve kind of does stuff like this too but i think you can make it work but i think Zack snyder's too broish and wrong-headed to make it work you've got the scene where there's the ogre-ish guy in the bar who's like groping the waitress and everything and then uh, the guy walks outside and superman's in the bar and he like throws beer on superman or something you know as clark kent um and then the guy walks outside and his truck has just been demolished and to me it's like there's a fun way for superman to correct That's those kinds really of passive wrongs. aggressive but for superman of... to be that passive aggressive and that destructive you know, for the punishment to be that out of proportion with, I mean, I'm not, you know, nuance, 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 but the punishment felt mean-spirited, um, even though the guy was a jerk. It just felt like, is that really what Superman, yeah, Superman's going to teach this guy a lesson, sure, but... But, but it's Superman's a, just going to stand up and walk over, Clark Kent is going to stand up and walk over and say... Um, excuse me, sir. Uh, leave the lady alone. Right. <laughs> yeah. In a really adorable sort of way. <laughs> right. And the guy's gonna go. What are you gonna do about it? And, you know, try to push him, and then find out. You know, crush his hand on his chest. Or right. Whatever. And he won't like rip the guy's arm off. He'll just scare the guy enough that he's gonna think twice before he gropes another waitress. You know, it's not gonna be like. I destroyed your livelihood passive aggressively <laughs> <laughs> because you d- obviously deserved it. But in the world of Zack Snyder, I think idiots that aren't cool bros like us deserve to have their livelihoods destroyed. And you don't think twice about just doing stuff like that. Just mm-hmm. like you don't think all that much about all the people that you're killing in your epic cosmic duel with Zod at the end, which the internet famously objected to. And then they tried to course correct in the next movie by making the movie kind of about that and it was really ham-fisted and lame marvel has a has a really great contrast to that and mm-hmm. marvel has its own sort of like cheesy do-gooder and it's captain america and they've just been brilliant in how they've handled him and made him a character that's necessary and that is a that sort of like do-gooder guy who's gonna make every life matters and mm-hmm. And they they leaned into that, and they do it with a little bit of the 1970s Christopher Reeves. There's there's a, there's well, not really though. I mean, there's there's the parts where there's a little bit of an ironic wink to it. They they acknowledge that everyone around is going to be like, huh, who is this guy again? They you know, and they give us the other character, the voices of cynical Tony Stark and conflicted. So I mean, they the I think they do a nice event- job of bridging it between. Yeah, well, the know. whole first Avengers movie was like, what's Captain America good for? Well, I know. 
he's there to be the leader right. that everybody can trust and believe in. And you can bring together the cynic and the skeptic and the ironic. And the bondage Russian assassin lady. <laughs> and also her. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Marvel's done a good job with that. And they they mostly play it straight. And it's really refreshing and nice. Yeah. And, and, and they play with the conflict of it. They don't let Captain America off the hook. Everyone, every Captain America movie is about do your old-fashioned American values actually work? And if so, how? in this complex post 9-11, post whatever world. The answer is always, yeah, kind of. Basically, they work, but not without... They're basically refreshing. Not without loss, not without pain, but yes, they work. And that's a good reassuring answer for a good versus evil movie to have, I think. Yeah. So yeah, that's... That's the larger setup of what we're talking about. Those are the movies that are coming out right now. Those are Superman movies that are coming out right now. Let's talk baggage. Ben, mm, you ever Nathan. read any Superman comics growing up? Uh, you ever watch, you like watch those Superman movies? I watched the Superman movies when I was a kid. Yeah. Never read any of the comics. Did you like the Superman movies when you were a kid? Yeah, I did. Especially number two. And <laughs> I liked number three quite a bit. <laughs> Number three is with Richard Pryor. Yeah. Right? <laughs> In a supercomputer that's... Anyway, it's 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 really terrible. But it's but nothing is as bad as Superman 4, which even as a kid, I realized was one of the most boring movies ever made. That's what, where Lex Luthor makes a son Superman. Yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, oh, yeah. It, it's, Atomic. It's, it is so intensely dull. It, it's just amazing. But Superman takes all our nuclear weapons and throws them into the sun. Yeah, I forgot about that. He saves the world from... I remember there there was a lot of like speeches and stuff in that. Yes, one. he gives a speech to the UN. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it was super. <laughs> yeah, I liked that stuff. I don't know that. I don't think Superman meant very much to me though. Who's your favorite superhero growing up? Spider Man. Spider Man. Yeah, because I think so. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Because he is an ordinary guy with 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 painful struggles. And, and you are an ordinary guy with painful struggles, true or false? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> you're, you're right. <laughs> um, uh, I just thought that the idea of being Spider-Man, being able to flip around and shoot webs. and So in, in my mind, like inhabiting the world of Spider-Man would be more fun, more interesting than inhabiting the world of Superman. I think it's more like flying through space... Or and doing the kinds of stuff Superman does is so far beyond what a human can do that you yeah. can, it's kind of not relatable. Whereas yeah. we've all gone to a big city and thought how fun it would be to just be able to right. make it your playground like Spider-Man does. Or like so, you know, parkour does. Or, or, or like good parkour <laughs> does. That's right. Just a relatable, ordinary guy over there. <laughs> Jumping across gaps. So I don't know what else I think. I, I don't think I found Superman very interesting, apart yeah. from apart from when I liked watching a couple of his movies. Well, so Spider-Man, I really feel like he does the work that you do in this podcast. You've got two titans, two sort of unrelatable in their awesomeness characters, and then you need a relatable guy yeah. <laughs> to be jumping the, the gap. That's right. Of making things work. Yeah. Doing backflips and stuff. Doing backflips. <laughs> <laughs> sensing, sensing danger before it comes. <laughs> <laughs> Inventing things that are really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't yeah. think I do any of those things, but <laughs> I should. <laughs> I agree with that. Um, uh, my, my Superman baggage is that I always thought Superman was kind of boring. Batman was always my favorite, as I think he is for a lot of angsty young men. Batman was the coolest. Batman had a cool costume. Batman had a, had the, definitely the coolest rogues gallery of villains. And he just had so many different fun iterations. The 1960s show with the Biff and the Bam and the dun 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 and the Tim Burton fun Jack Nicholson. And, you know, and then I think around the time I would have been coming into it, you had like the Val Kilmer thing and the George Clooney thing, both of which are easy to mock now. But, you know, to a whatever age I was kid, they seemed cool. So Batman... Was obviously and oh and of course you had the great Batman cartoon um, oh yeah which was on at four thirty or three thirty every day after school and was just the coolest thing ever haven't watched it since then in my mind it still holds up no idea whether it actually does but man it was cool when I was ten or whatever I was but Superman was always a little bit too much of a good good do gooder a little bit yeah boring I didn't I didn't see the value of that if you'd asked me if you if you had described to, to uh, tween age me 
Zack Snyder movies, I think they would have sounded cool. They would have sounded like, oh, somebody's figured out how to make Superman interesting because he's not actually all that interesting or relatable as a human being. Uh, the tween age me would have been wrong, I think, but that's definitely how I felt about Superman. Jake, we've saved you for last because you have lots of good Superman baggage <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> Do tell. I know Superman. I didn't grow up with comic books. I wasn't a comic book geek or nerd or whatever. I don't know that I've ever actually read a comic book in my life. I think I may have tried once and just wasn't into into that. And also sort of felt that comic books were for nerds, um, which they were. Right. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> um, How dare you, sir? <laughs> so my, my experience of comic book characters was through movies. Mm-hmm. And so my dad took me to see Batman at the drive-in when it came out and it was awesome and uh, I watched the bat I did watch the Batman animated series which I also thought was super cool Superman I knew I know or knew through the Christopher Reeve movies which I watched my dad when I was really little and so every kid or most kids they experience a you know when they're when they're young dad is dad can do no wrong uh, dad's awesome. Dad, my dad's the biggest and the strongest. My dad can beat up your dad, and I feel safe because my dad can take on any kind of evil that is going to come to me, and he's going to be able to protect me. And so, dad has supermanish qualities. Uh, <laughs> and so, I, I, you know, I definitely thought I definitely uh, connected Superman and my like my dad when I was that little. Dad was Superman, and he was John Wayne, and he was Jesus, sort of all rolled into one. Like he was awesome. I thought you would have articulated. I wouldn't have articulated it that way at all. And I didn't, I didn't, um, I wouldn't have, I mean, I don't know. My dad had some red cowboy boots that I wore around and had my Superman boots or whatever. And, mm-hmm. But then what happens to every kid growing up is that they realize that their dad's actually one way or another, he's Clark Kent. And there's that, I think it's the Oscar Wilde quote that, what is it? You, you love your father and then you judge your father and sometimes you forgive your father or something like that, right? right? Sometimes we forgive them. Sometimes we forgive them. And so, so my, I guess my baggage is hard to talk about on a show that my dad might listen to, (laughs) but, um, but that connection, that Superman identification with my dad was a my parents were still together and everything was right in the world and then when I was six my parents divorced Uh, that was a really young time to begin to see cracks in the armor but I did and uh so I loved the Brian Singer movie I'm just gonna just jump right ahead (laughs) (laughs) cut to 2005 Ben look it up when that movie come out? Came out in 2006. 2006. So I love that Singer movie because uh, I hadn't watched those Christopher Reeve Supermans in a really long time. And I went to go see it in the theater and uh, I was just remembering uh, what it was like when I thought Dad was Superman. And... Uh, and when Superman died. That movie actually starts with like the iconic music. Yeah, it had all of the the right emotional notes for me, I guess, just in, in, including the music and the cheesy little scenes that I just, I connected with how I viewed my, my dad back in those days. And when it was done, I just went out to my truck and I cried. It helped me understand how much I actually really do love and respect my dad as a uh, Clark Kent that tried really hard to be Superman. And I think that's what Brian Singer got about Superman. What he got right is that Superman is, he is the dad who's gonna get your kitten out of the tree or, right. you know, when you're you're out on a photo shoot on the Hoover Dam and for some reason it starts to crack, he's gonna show up and save you because he cares and mm. he can do that. And yet, you know, the, the external problem of Superman is a real thing. How can I, can't be there to save everybody all at once. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about Superman. Superman is a guy who is in some ways what most kids think their dad is and what and so every dad who's trying to do it right at least aspires to, <laughs> right. to be uh, for their kids. And so then along comes Zack Snyder and he's like, that's boring. Right. A world of dads and fathers. We actually all live in a... Forget that. Bitter little frat boy world of... Nobody can relate to like dads and stuff who are <laughs> it does have a, a couple of good dad moments though i mean between kevin costner and boy superman i think especially between russell crowe and 
Russell Crowe well, actually plays a good dad in that yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, but 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 there but there's a point where Clark is saying something like, I, I just want to be your son and Kevin Costner hugs him and says, You are my son. Yeah. What Snyder does is he then uses that to make Superman a conflicted, angsty mm-hmm. little brat. Torn between two dads and mm-hmm. you know. And his the tragic circumstances of his broken life mm-hmm. failed by both of them in one way or another and trying to figure it out. And what he never gives us is somebody who can be your dad, somebody who represents anything to you. Like part of the charm of growing up in a world where Superman may be real is that there may actually be somebody out there that's looking out for you and that it's this Superman's not looking out for anybody. Mm -hmm. That's what he makes absolutely a hundred percent clear in the, in the Zod fight. Like, Who's he looking out for? You get one little scene where it's like, okay, they they like crash through a building and there are people there and he's got to be careful, you know, with the laser eyes, right? <laughs> right? Forget all the other buildings that are being leveled to the ground. And that's not Superman. Yeah, I think actually in those two Zack Snyder movies, the only moment where I really felt any sort of respect for a father figure was Bruce Wayne. And it's not when he's dressed up as Batman being all bleh, but it's when um, he's running into the... Yeah, it's when when Superman's leveling the city and he's just in his Jeep and he's his employee's building is about to get leveled and he's you just get the sense of Bruce Wayne in that one little scene as a good city father just somebody who really cares about his employees he saves a little girl from having a building that's what superman should do right superman like the whole weakness like of superman like his chief weakness outside of kryptonite is the moral dilemma like he's the guy that's going to while Zod is even uh, in Superman too, that's like suddenly that's the whole thing. Is the Zod whole thing keeps they, threatening they, people. They realize that they can't fight Superman quite on his own terms. But when they start threatening people, they can keep him off balance because he's he's got to go save that bus. Right. He's got to go save that thing. He's got to turn his back on them and what they're doing. And that's a wonderful dilemma for Superman. Do you save the little girl? And the little girl's saved? Or you do you defeat Zod and therefore th- millions of people are saved? That's a really interesting question. The kind of fun, dramatic question you can ask in those movies. And Superman's always got to do both, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's always mm-hmm. got to do both. And he's, he's always got to try to do both. And they try to, you know, they try to bring that dilemma always into the Spider-Man movies. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking of that. Too. And so it's, it's not like it's unique to Superman that they do that sort of thing. But just the same, like, that is the... Superman actually can do it. Like <laughs> cuz he's Superman. He's Superman, guys. It's in the like, title. <laughs> it's in the job description. <laughs> and so yeah, it's just Snyder Superman's not Superman. He's just not. Yeah, I mean I love superheroes who are me. I love that Spider-Man is like how I was in high school and has the same problems and stuff. But as I've gotten older, I find that I love more and more those movies where the characters actually like a dad, like someone who's just better than me. The moment that always this is really corny, but it makes me cry. And the first Avengers is where Loki says, bow before me, crowd of people. And then there's this old guy and everybody bows and the old guy doesn't bow. And he's obviously kind of really old. And I think they're in Germany and he's kind of a Jewishy kind of a guy. And, you know, he's like, I know people like you, you know, we can't bow to you. And so Loki prepares to blast him and then Captain America jumps in front of him with his shield and it's just like, yay, Captain America. (laughs) You know, it's not about the excitement of Captain America punching Loki and Loki going flying. That stuff is fun and that's part of why we go to superhero movies is to see villains get the crap beat out of them. But it's actually more fun to see the old man doesn't have to bow before Loki today, you know, because Captain America is in the world. Yeah, he's going to show up. The drama of Avengers 2, for all of its flaws, is they could just blow up the city in the sky and save the world, <laughs> or they could try to get everybody, every last person off of it, then take care of it and hope that we don't have an extinction-level event or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and nobody faults Superman if he tries to save the little girl and fails to save the city because he's trying to do both. Right. Right? Like, but to just not care. <laughs> to not even have the little girl on your radar 
that's that's not forgivable. Uh, to 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 have the little girl on on your radar and to have it be a clear black and white, the whole city's gonna burn or this little girl's gonna die, and to with a tear in your eye save the city and be guilt ridden over it. You can do that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But you can't just pretend like that little girl doesn't matter. Right. And that's what Snyder's Superman, that's what's communicated. And it doesn't matter what other little setup scenes might make you think otherwise. Or exposition that tells you otherwise. Or exposition that tells you otherwise. What comes across is, I know you don't care, Watcher, about that little girl. Superman doesn't care about this little girl. What we all care about is cool action where uh, there are cool explosions and Zod ends up dead. I, I can't stand that sort of thing. I can't take it. I have no appreciation for it. And yeah, I mean, the scenes really, they were cool scenes, but that's not what I, that's not what I want from Superman. It's not what I want from a superhero movie. I want, I, 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 I completely agree with you that the, the, one of the best moments in the whole Snyder DC universe is Bruce Wayne, not in his Batman gear, being the only person running into the smoke and devastation, saving that little girl while, Wayne Enterprise building gets leveled or whatever it is. Right. That's what you want. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's what I want. Like, guy, and, and, and you, really, a hero. You have a feeling in that moment that the firefighters going into the building on 9-11. Right. <laughs> that's what I want. Those are my heroes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and if we can't have superheroes in our superhero movies, that's part of what I'm paying my money if for. If our superheroes aren't real heroes, then who cares? They're just God, fickle gods on a screen. Mm-hmm. And all we're there for is the spectacle. Who cares about that? Who cares? What's that sound? <laughs> oh my goodness, it's... Could oh. it be? I don't know, it's the Devil's Advocacy Alarm, the DAA. This is the part of the show where someone has to play the Devil's Advocate and argue for the opposite position of what we're arguing for. Ben, you mm. look like a man who's up for the challenge. You think mm. Jimmy Olsen versus Superman. Huh. Jake would be Superman in this. I don't know. The alarm went off, man. It yeah, it went off. I don't know what I would say. Jake's doing the uh, chest ripping. <laughs> I would say, uh, say, okay. I'll tell you what I would say. I'll do. I'll do the devil's advocacy. I'll be the devil for you, Ben. Thanks, Nathan. Um, Jake, my dad failed me, and yours did too. And they were sinful men. And if they were in the situation, the little girl dies, and probably so does the city. And there is no Superman. You're not Superman, and I'm not Superman. That's not how the world works. It is broken and devastated by sin. People die. Bad things happen to good people. God has his purposes. We don't always know what they are. It will all turn to good one day, but right now, things suck, and we're all stuck in a world that just doesn't work that way. It is cheesy. It is cheap. Those old Superman cartoons. It's a bird. It's a plane. That guy doesn't exist. That world doesn't exist. Our world wouldn't allow for that guy. Zack Snyder is a bad filmmaker, or his he doesn't have good taste in screenwriters at the very least. But at least they're trying to say, you know what? We acknowledge that this doesn't exist. There are no supermen. We're going to find a way to make that tension work and still give you your million-dollar spectacle movie. Well, um, I have two responses to that. One is you're you're right, and the other is. Uh, you're wrong. <laughs> it, uh, you're right that there is no man in blue tights and red underwear running around to save people. Bad things really do happen to good people. There is no Superman to catch them when they fall. But you're wrong because sometimes there are. Sometimes God in his providence, and it's not a man in, in blue tights with red underwear, but it's the dad that, that adopts that poor orphan. It's the father figure who shows up and is there when your dad actually is a miserable failure who loves you and is a dad to you just the same. It's the firefighters that ran into the building on 9-11. A world where heroes can't exist is a really awful, horrible world. But that's not reality because God is still in his heaven and he is still a good father who cares for us. By his grace, there are still dads that care for the weak and the oppressed and the orphan and they may be few and fewer but they're real. And if I want my sons to grow up to be men like that, they need to see it and believe that in their own weak, faltering way. Maybe they can't be Superman, but maybe they can be Clark Kent, who is going to do his best. 
And so it's a very hopeless and cynical way of looking at things that am I tempted to to believe and live that way and give into that kind of yeah, all the time, but on a deeper level, no, I don't I don't want that. I don't want to give into that kind of thinking. Well, so I don't I'll play devil a little bit more. Go ahead. Your parents got divorced, you said when you were 6. That's right. So mine got divorced when I was 20, mm-hmm. I think. But from the time that you were six, you saw those cracks. Yeah. I never saw those cracks until I was 11 or 12. And I thought that I lived in a happy Christian home. And then one day, very specific moment, laying awake at night uh, as a kid, 11 or 12, hear my parents fighting. And it hits me like that. There are no supermen. Yeah. It just hits me like a ton of bricks. I've been tricked. This is a false world of comfort and safety that I've been living in. And actually, there's real sin and it hurts. And it completely changes my life. And I spend the rest of my life up to this point recovering from that blow. And yeah, God's been faithful. But did it do any good for me? Was it good for me to spend those first 10 years of my life believing in something that actually was a cartoonish facade of what my reality actually was? Was it helpful to see Christopher Reeve movies and think that that was out there? Or would it be better to see a Zack Snyder movie and think, well, you know, people try their best, but we all sure do suck. Well, first, I don't think the moral of Zack Snyder is people try their best, but we all suck. Okay. <laughs> I was leaning too hard into the devil there. But you know what I mean. <laughs> um, well, your oldest is nine. My oldest is nine. He's about I mean, not to be too mean about it, but he's about due to realize you're not Superman. True. And he still sort of does, as far as I know. But very soon, one way or another, he'll realize, oh, my dad's a sinner. Yeah, it's a hard fall. And I think, so here's the reality. I, I don't understand the way of God with, with kids and their dad. And certainly my kids have seen, have had every opportunity to see all of the cracks and chinks. If for that they haven't, it's been some kind of miracle of God protecting them. But I think that if if that's the case, and I think that's often, I think that's just the way that God works. I think part of that is because God is planting in our children a real seed of hunger and longing for him. And that if our kids are able to see anything good in us and to taste anything good and feel that safety, that protection, that dad's always going to be there, dad loves me. Uh, dad protects me, dad provides for me. To the extent that it's real, it's just a picture of God's perfect fatherhood. But even God's perfect fatherhood is a fatherhood that in his sovereignty allows for cancer, allows for miscarriages, allows for holocausts, allows for 9-11s. As a kid, you sing, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves the whole world. And then you realize, yeah, Jesus loves the whole world and Jesus loves me, but it's actually a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah, and so you're your view of God and of fatherhood has to grow and mature as you grow and mature. But that doesn't change the big realities. It just gives them depth and colors them. And yeah, it's hard. Um, It's hard to reckon with with the evil and brokenness in the world. And yet here it is. It's still true that Jesus loves me, this I know. And Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world. It just means more, means more, not less. And it means more as you begin to see uh, the evil and the brokenness of the world and the evil and brokenness of your own sinful heart. Maybe you think that you deserve to be saved by a a perfect dad who's always going to be there for you. And then you realize instead of, oh, dad doesn't buzz around and fix everything, you realize I'm actually not worth saving. And yet God sent his son to suffer and die to save you anyway and to suffer and die to save the world. And he's working a plan that's a good plan for his own glory and for the good of those who who love him. It's a much more beautiful and mature and bigger, bigger thing than uh, your simple comic book characters. But that comic book kind of reality of, if you want to call it that, um, of Jesus loves me, it's just as true. It's just as good. It's just as beautiful. You just you're moving from seeing it in black and white to seeing it in color, Mm -hmm. I think. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, the devil's advocacy alarm is kind of a weird alarm. We should maybe get it uninstalled. Because <laughs> <laughs> I sort of feel like I, <laughs> sometimes you can enter into the role more than you expect that you would. I do still feel those tensions for real. Yeah. You know, and you do. You want it to be, you know, I mean, God is so kind to me. And he's given me so many good fathers. So many. Just last week we had one of them on the show. And um, I can call Tim Bailey anytime I want and talk about anything. And it's really true. I mean, he's just like a dad. It's also true. I wish it was my dad that I could do that with, my my, yeah. my earthly dad. And I think, you know, there is a kind of dad who wants to pretend to be Superman and keep his kids believing he's Superman his whole life, Try to tries to hide all the chinks in the armor. I think he does set his kids up for a, for a harder fall than they need. And there is a kind of Christian who watches Carmen music videos and says God is the God who... If you have the right kind of faith, he won't ha- let you have a miscarriage. He won't send you cancer. Suffer. You won't suffer. But a good dad is acknowledging his sin and confessing his sin and asking for forgiveness from his kids. And so when they, they may not believe that dad's a sinner and sins, but when it finally hits home for them, a good dad is already, he's not shocked or scandalized. He's not bothered that suddenly it's dawned on his kids that, that they're sinners. And they've got a track record of, yeah, dad always said, I just didn't see or believe it. <laughs> you know, and you just have a moment. It's like, well, I guess you, you had to realize it sooner or later. And so let's talk about it. And dad's fa- dad always said his fatherhood was just a poor reflection of the father from whom yeah, all fatherhood always. gets his name, which is the real father who yeah, hasn't and in, failed me. In the same way, you you wisely and judiciously expose your children to to the sinfulness and the brokenness of the world so that they're not shocked and surprised by it. And they're not shocked and surprised when they see sin in you and them, in themselves, certainly, and in others and in the world at large, part of life. And then as they begin to really awaken to those things, you guide them through and teach them how to reckon with them by faith. And to live in the tension that is, yeah, to, on the one hand, there's no Superman. True enough. On the other hand, God is in his heaven and God wins. And it's a good story with a good end that he's writing. And he calls us to be just like him and we don't have superpowers, but that's okay. That pretty much sums it up. Superhero movies, not all that important to one's spiritual walk. We're not about redeeming the culture with superhero movies. That's not the, that's, this is not that kind of a podcast. We're not saying like, the Christians just need to make better, their own superhero movies that talk about these things. No, just. Every super, superhero movie is an opportunity to talk uh, about uh, the gospel. No, 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 no. We're talking, this episode was about the goodness of God and his sovereignty and fact of father hunger and all that good stuff those are important things movies not all that important but they are fun and they can reflect good things and uh now ben your favorite movie your favorite superhero movie ant-man right ah or wrong. St- steel starring Shaq. steel starring Shaq. shaquille o'neal shaquille o'neal steel. yes or maybe uh, Darkman. Uh, Darkman <laughs> Dark is probably more acceptable than Steel. The Phantom, starring Billy Zane. Ah, uh, the favorite? Phantom. Starring I Billy did Zane. see it in the theater you saw- as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was fun. It's a terrible movie. Sarcastic. Uh, too bad. So lame that no one could you. possibly have ever <laughs> engaged nope. with this thing. And nope. <laughs> too bad he lives down to my expectations consistently 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 i mean of course the guy who likes amazing spider-man 2 we would have seen the phantom in theaters have we gone on record that ben is a huge fan of spider-man 2 amazing spider-man i'm sorry i'm sorry not at spider-man 2 at all the opposite of spider-man 2 the anti-spider-man 2 the that, we, that we call the wow. amazing spider-man returns or whatever yes, it's called i would actually argue it's a good movie he would actually I argue. I would actually argue that it's a good movie, and um, there you go. Unfortunately, though, we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Now, uh, fellas, the best Superman movie? Uh, probably two. Maybe one or two. One or two, yeah, the original or two, definitely. Wait a minute, you said the original, the Superman two? Yeah, like yeah, the one with with. No, Zod he meant he meant Dawn of Justice. <laughs> 
You idiot! <laughs> I just, okay. I thought that you thought it was a terrible movie. Yeah, I don't know that I've seen them since I was a kid, so. I mean, I, I don't think Superman 2 holds up, but I think the original Superman does. The original Christopher Reeve Superman. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Sand of Sanity recommends, way. if you're going to watch one superhero movie. Sure, I'll go with that. Probably the original Superman and or super, Superman 2. Uh, if you're going to watch one superhero movie, though, Ben says... Make it the Amazing Spider-Man Two. Ah, uh, I'd probably go with something like Spider-Man Two. The original Spider-Man Two. Yep. Tobey Maguire movie. Very good. Very excellent choice. Jake. Yike. You know, watch one superhero movie. And again, you don't have to. We don't care whether you watch any superhero movies. You won't like be living the gospel because you watch Superman. We're just saying because it's a fun way to end the show. What's the best superhero movie, Jake? I have no idea. If you say The Dark Knight, then you'll be selling out your idealistic principles won't you but that's a pretty good one it's pretty you good could, you could say that but but the i mean i don't know the reason to watch that is to watch heath ledger be awesome that's true much more than to see a good movie uh what would you say the best superhero movie yeah does the whole marvel mcu count as one movie if it does that's where i <laughs> fall <laughs> Ugh, not I. one movie that ben does not want to watch not really uh you know what i'll just i'll accept the recency bias and say the one that i enjoy most in my mind right now in a very uh, mencillian recency bias influenced way is spider-man homecoming yeah this is just a good movie yeah it was great Go see it on theater or get it on demand or on through Redbox, various streaming services. Have you, what did you, oh, you said Spider-Man 2 was your favorite superhero movie. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. If I, but you asked, I don't know. One, two, three, say your favorite superhero movie. I don't, I don't even know if I have one. One, two, three, say your favorite superhero movie. Batman Returns. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> don't go see it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, folks, on that uh, downer of an ending, we will bring the show to a close here. Sound of Sanity was engineered by uh, Benjamin Solzer. Benjamin Solzer returns. We'll see if that happens next week. Uh, <laughs> produced by Nathan Alberson. And like all fine Warhorn products, executive produced by Jacob Menzel and Nathan Alberson. Until next time. Stay sane. Stay sane.